Diversidad. Um, today we're going to focus on a topic that I think is a little hard for me to kind of talk about, and that's about um, disability or ability. And specifically, we're going to focus on my ability and when I notice disability in others, and particularly in my dad, because um, he is considered um, disabled. Um, and kind of like how that has formed part of my identity in terms of, you know, my realization to that disability that my dad has and, you know, how it makes me reflect on my own ability to be able to do a lot of the things that he can't and, you know, how I've gone and sort of lived with it to a certain extent. So I'm going to talk about, um, you know, when I do notice my ability um, and why the spaces that are in it, when I don't notice my ability and why in the spaces that I, same thing, like the spaces that I notice that I don't notice it. And also when I talk about ableism um, and with whom and how it relates to me and usually that is involving my dad and my family. So thank you for joining me and I hope you like it. So I notice my ability when I'm around my dad. And the reason why I feel that I notice my ability and that it's so in my face is because my dad is disabled. He had a stroke when I was very young um, and became paralyzed so half of his body could not move. So he had a lot of therapy he had to do and I honestly don't have any recollection of this. It's just what my mom has told me. Um, you know, when I had finally asked why is it that my dad's hand is crunched up and that he can't really move it the way that I can. And that's when she told me, well, it used to be that half of his body was paralyzed. He had a lot of therapy. Um, he was in the hospital for a very long time, for around a year. And, you know, it was a very hard year. Um, I remember she told me about how we went to go visit my dad every day because she didn't want us to not see him and she didn't want him to feel like he wasn't supported. So we would go every day, um, she would work every day, you know, to support the family, um, quote unquote, and yeah, he was left with just his hand, his left hand, you know, with limited movement. So it's, it kind of is, it, the best way I can describe it is it's crunched up and he has a very hard time to move it. It's like if you have a lot of stress in your hand and you can't really move it. Um, so as an able-bodied person, I know I can move my fingers as much as I can. I can move my hands um, as fast as I can, but he can't do that with his left hand. So I notice my able-bodiedness when I'm driving, 
especially with him, because he he, he needs to literally force himself to open his left hand up. Sometimes using his right hand to open it up so that he can drive. And I never have to do that. You know, but every single time I'm in the car with him, I always see it. Another time that I see my um, ability is when I'm holding a paper, when I'm hammering something in, because I have memories of when I used to help them hammer things in in the house or outside the house he needed help you know as an able-bodied person and I can hold the nail with my left hand and hammer it in with my right and no problem but for him he can't do that his hand doesn't open well enough for him to hold the nail straight without his hand shaking so I would always have to be the one holding the nail and that always scared me because I was always afraid that I was gonna get my finger squished by hammer (laughs) and there were just days where it was exhausting I didn't want to be that person to always hold the nail you know and as I've gotten older I realized there was just so much privilege that I had and you know the way that I acted when I was younger is honestly so disgusting when I think about it because how can I ever compare The struggle that I had and the fear of getting smushed by a hammer in my fingers with him holding that nail. Like, when I imagine what it would feel like, I feel so ashamed. Because I had never thought about that before when I was younger, about my ability and how important it really is to people. And, you know, the level of privilege that I carry with it. You know, and when I would work in the fields and work in the fruit packing warehouses, I noticed it even more because my dad would work in those same spaces. Like when I was tired and I didn't want to work anymore, when I my hands hurt because of picking all day, because of sorting all day, because of packing, when I, my fingers would get squished because I would do something with the machine because it would go too fast you know I thought about my dad like how is it that I struggled as an able-bodied person to do that work and he was still there doing it you know trying to do it and then that would just get me angry because I I knew that people would treat him differently. I knew the kinds of people who worked there. And even though they were part of the same raza, the same community, there's just been so much harm done by that same community because of their lack of understanding of the privilege that each of us carry for being able-bodied people. You know? Like, these same, this, this same community that I belong to, that I call home, also brought a lot of trauma with my dad's disability. The one who judged him the harshest because of machista culture, because he no longer was the provider of the home. And it really highlighted just how privileged I was as an able-bodied person. And, you know, it hurts. It hurts 
realize it. And I can only imagine how he feels. Um, you know, but those are the spaces that I always see and notice my able-bodiedness and my privilege. Is when I'm with my dad. And, you know, there are spaces where I don't. And that's when he's not there. So I usually don't notice my ability in the spaces where I am around people who are able-bodied. And, you know, the reason is because it's not in my face anymore. Um, and it's kind of shameful to say that because I should, at this point in my life, you know, notice the privilege that I carry. I should do something about it. I should be a better person about it. Um, but unless I'm like, unless it's in my face, I don't really go back and think about my ableism and my ability to do things. You know, so when I'm not around my family, like my immediate family, because that's where my dad is, um, then it's almost like it's not there, you know, like, like it's disability. Like I don't have to think about it. And in those spaces, while I do feel safe because I don't, you know, I don't have to go back and remember what it was like, you know, living with a disabled person, I hate these spaces at the same time because I don't get to acknowledge or you know, kind of work through, you know, my experience living with a disabled person, living with my dad, and, you know, the struggles that he has gone through, and, you know, there, in fact, I have gone through. So, I, you know, it really makes me, these spaces really make me realize that there's so much work I have to do to really live with the fact that I'm an able-bodied person and that I have not been the advocate for people with disabilities that I have been, that I, well, more like that I want to be, you know? And I wish I was a little more conscious about my ability in spaces where you know disabled people are not there because you know I feel like everybody when they're faced with someone who has a disability and sees them you know thinks about oh wow what would it feel like to live that way and I'm trying not to think like that anymore because that's so demeaning I mean, I, I think about my dad and I hate when people do that to him. So how could I, someone who, you know, advocates for her father, act like that towards disability or have those thoughts? So I struggle with that a lot and have never really confronted it. 
out in the open. I mean, I have been reflecting and acknowledging my privilege, but you know, this is this week has been a week where I have come to terms that I need to do something about this privilege and I need to become a better advocate for not just for my dad, but for other people because I will have students, I will have other people in my life who have disabilities and I cannot demean them for being disabled. I cannot make that their identity because their sole identity. While that may be part of their identity, just as ableism is part of mine, it's not just it's not them in their entirety. They have so much more, just as I do. And at the same time, I have to come to terms that ableism is my identity and I need to learn how to accept it and how to live with this privilege. Especially in these spaces where I don't, I'm not confronted with it on the daily. So I'm learning. It's it's hard to process everything, but those are the spaces that I don't really think about it. Now, the next question is going to be extremely hard to talk about because I don't really talk about ableism, and when I do, it's only with a certain set of people and because of certain circumstances. So. That one might be a little harder to answer. <sighs> so when I talk about ableism over the course of a given day or set of days and with whom and how it relates to my identity, it's really sad when I look back and think about this question because the only time I really talk about ableism is after visiting my dad. And it's not every time, but it's when I really notice his hardship with his hand and his function of it that these conversations come up. And usually they're conversations with my partner because he's met my dad and me, you know. It's kind of like one of the few people that he knows who's living with a disability. And then it's not just his hand function, it's also his speech. Um, so when he had his stroke, his speech was never the same. So he, like, tartadea a veces and, um, can't really understand him he kind of slurs his words so it's hard to hear him sometimes and understand what he's saying and you know I have conversations about okay well what did your dad say like that's what I understood and you know sometimes it's exhausting when I have to talk to people about what my dad is saying in a sense translate which I get irritated about because I shouldn't need to translate when he's speaking Spanish because if you really cared and respected him and if you really wanted to know what he was saying, then you should have the decency to listen to him respectfully and attentively 
And most people don't do that. They expect his family to be able to translate what he's saying when they don't understand when while I do want to help get his point across when really it's really hard to understand him there are times when people are just lazy and they don't want to listen all the way and they just prefer for us to translate and that really gets me thinking about my ability because I never have I never have to have anyone translate for me at all the fact that I speak English and Spanish and that I do not slur my speech or do or have anybody have a hard time listening to me you know really gets me angry and sad and upset because I realize or just how much hardships my dad goes through that I never have to go through and that's only in being an able-bodied person that's not even going into his race where he comes from his education which are all part of his identity that he has to live with and you know those are hard conversations i have every time i have this conversation about ableism and my privilege and you know my dad and his disability i always cry because i have not learned how to cope with it I've not learned how to deal with this part of my identity and how it truly affects me as a person. So it's hard to have these conversations. Um, I can't have them with him because it brings up too much trauma for him. And I shouldn't have to because I don't think that's being respectful to the pain that it would cost him you know if he brings it up then I'm more than happy to talk about it but he usually doesn't because he doesn't like to talk about it so that's why I always talk about it these conversations always happen closed door with my partner you know it's nothing that I talk about in the open because it's just a hard part of my identity that I have a hard time facing and that I really don't think about a lot. I think about my race a lot, but about my able-bodiedness is it's something that's always in the back of my mind and that I usually don't put up in a voice. So it makes me really reflect on my privilege and I mentioned privilege a lot because as you can tell, I don't know if you can, but as you can tell from this whole episode, I have so much privilege and sometimes I don't know what to do with this privilege as an able-bodied person of how to help um, my dad and others who are disabled, how to be respectful in a way that doesn't induce trauma and you know I'm still learning I'm trying to learn more um, but you know, I feel like these conversations do help, even if it does bring up emotions in me. But for the time being, I think I still need to work it out myself and learn more uh, about my privilege and how to deal with that.
want to thank you so much for listening to this last episode of Noticing the Self um, with my identity of ableism, um, being able-bodied, because this is one that I really have a continued struggle with um, to check my privilege. Um, It's very raw. (laughs) Um, This episode is very raw. Um, You know, I had a lot of feelings with it. I really contemplated on my own ability and um, privilege that I usually don't contemplate about on the day, on the daily. So I just want to thank you for listening and also want to say that in this episode, I didn't really speak in Spanish because, I don't know, the I felt more comfortable talking about it in English because in Spanish, I feel like I have a lot of bad experiences with my dad's disability, um, with um, my Spanish language, because it carries hurtful memories um, about people who have, you know, affected not just his life, but um, our family's lives who also come from the same background as us. So I didn't want to relive that trauma. Um, And I felt like if I spoke my native language, Spanish, it was only gonna come out more. Um, And it's coming out a little bit right now because I'm talking about it, but you know, you know, English gave me that space where I didn't have to um, relive it so much while talking to y'all in this podcast. So, once again, I want to thank you, and I hope you really like this episode. This one is super raw, um, being really vulnerable, because I really appreciated exploring, you know, the privilege of my, of my able-bodiedness and you know, how much I really need to learn uh, and face this identity of mine. (laughs) But thank you so much, and I hope you like it.